Good morning, church, and thank you for joining me this morning as we get ready to study the Word of God. If you can, I want you to go to Mark chapter 9, beginning at verse 14. As we go there, this is what the Word of God says. In Mark chapter 9, beginning at verse 14. When they came back to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them, and some scribes arguing with them. Immediately, when the entire crowd saw him, they were amazed and began running up to greet him. And he asked them, What are you discussing with them? And in verse 17, the Bible says, And one of the people from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought you my son. He tells Jesus, I brought you my son, possessed with the spirit, which makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, It slams him to the ground, and he foams in the mouth and grinds his teeth and stiffens out. I told your disciples to cast it out, and they could not do it. And he answered them and said, O unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. They brought the boy to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit threw him into convulsion, and falling to the ground, he began rolling around and foaming in the mouth. And he asked his father, how long has, he been, has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. It has often thrown him both into the fire and into the water, destroying him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible to him who believes. And immediately the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Notice what the father said. I do believe, but help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw the crowd was rapidly gathering, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You deaf and mute spirit, I command you to come out of him and do not enter him again. And I'm just going to stop right there. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this brand new Sunday morning that we can gather together in our homes, Lord. And we just pray that this morning you would bless everyone who's listening online right now. Bless us with your word and your presence and teach us your way and help us to learn this and apply it to our lives. I thank you, Lord, for showing me this verse and help me to teach it now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. As I began to read this passage of Scripture, I noticed that there was a man, the Bible talks about, who had a son who an evil spirit began to really possess him and throw him into the fire and throw him, try to drown him. And this was such a tragic thing to even read, let alone experience by this man. So as I read this, man being tortured really by seeing his son controlled by this evil spirit. The Bible says that this man went up to the disciples first and then he goes up to Jesus. And Jesus encourages him. In verse 23 and 24, Jesus said to him that all things are possible for him who believes. What an encouraging word. He said all things are possible 
for him who believes. And as Jesus really encourages this man by saying this, he's telling him, I can fix this, I can change this. This hopeless situation this man thought he was in, Jesus reminds him, all things are possible. But then what really grabbed me as I read this is, this man, he really got honest with himself and he got honest with Jesus. He got real. And he tells Jesus, I believe. But then he says right after, but help me with my unbelief. What a contradiction this man was saying. He said, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. See, what he says is, Jesus, I believe in you, but I'm struggling to really put my faith in you. He believes in Jesus, but he's struggling to put his faith in him. And I don't know if it's because of fear, or I don't know if it's because of doubt, or it's because of guilt, but he's real so honest with Jesus. He says that I believe in you, but I have a struggle putting my faith in you. You see, when I read this, it showed me and it teaches me a powerful principle. This passage shows us that many people can believe in Jesus, but not truly have placed their faith in Him. And I believe that many people today in this world, if you would ask them, do you believe in Jesus? They would, without question, say, yes, I believe in Him, without a doubt. Many people in this world believe in Jesus. But I believe they have truly not placed their faith in Him. In other words, they believe He's real. They believe He lived. They believed He walked on this earth. They believe He existed. There are many people who are not atheists whatsoever or even agnostics saying, well, I'm not sure, maybe yes, maybe no. There are people in this world, maybe you today, you genuinely believe like this man said, I believe, I believe in Jesus. But I believe that many believe but have not really put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. In other words, they haven't truly surrendered their lives. They haven't really repented of their sins. They haven't really turned to Jesus, asking Him to forgive them of their sins. So when there's people in this world that believe in Jesus Christ, but really have no faith and haven't put their faith in Him, you're lost. You see, when I read this passage of Scripture, it broke my heart for people today who believe in Jesus but have not truly given their lives to Him. Look at what this passage says. When you read it and you look at this man, you see a big lie or a big mistake. And it's found in verse 17. And verse 19, let me read verse 17 first of this passage and look at what he says. He says, the one on the crowd answering him, teacher, I brought you my son. Notice what he said, let me highlight that word brought. He said, 
I brought you my son. But look at what verse 19 says. In verse 19, Jesus said, answering them, O unbelieving generation, how long should I be with you? How long should I put up with you? But notice now what Jesus said. Bring him to me. Notice, Jesus said, bring him to me. But verse 17, the guy said, I I brought you, my son. But Jesus is really saying in 19, no, you didn't. Bring him truly to me now. You see, either Jesus is wrong or this man was wrong. And I believe that Jesus was not wrong here. And Jesus is never wrong. So this man, he's either lying to himself, lying to God, or making a huge mistake by believing he truly brought his son to Jesus. Let this teach you a valuable lesson. That there are many people who really believe they have brought their sins to Jesus. They have given their lives to him. But what if Jesus is saying today, no, you really haven't. I want you to truly bring your life and your sins to me. So the same way this man was making a huge mistake thinking that he brought his sins to Jesus, his son, sorry, I believe that many people today really think they have brought their lives to Jesus. They really believe they have brought their sins to Jesus. But what if Jesus right now is telling you, you haven't. You're making a mistake. You believe you brought your sins to Jesus, but you haven't. You really think you've surrendered to me, but you haven't. And Jesus, in verse 19, he's giving the opportunity for this man to truly bring him the Son. And maybe Jesus is truly giving you this opportunity today to truly repent of your sins and give your life to Jesus. See, the Bible shows us this this man was making a terrible claim, a wrong claim, a wrong statement. I brought you, my son. But Jesus really told him the truth. You haven't. So like this man, I wonder if there are people today that are lying to themselves or making this terrible mistake, really believing that they're saved, really believing that they've given their lives to Jesus, really believing that they've brought their sins before Him in repentance. The reality is Jesus warned us of this. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, Jesus said this about the last days, about judgment, about the day of death. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me, see this passage here frightens me because Jesus said, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, 
This is Jesus talking. I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Depart from me. Can you imagine the day of your death and you're facing judgment that Jesus, he stares right at you and he says, I don't know you. Can you just imagine that day that Jesus clearly tells you plainly, depart from me. What frightens me is that Jesus said, there are many people that are going to go through this. Many people who are going to believe, like this man we read about, believe, but not truly believe. Believe, but not truly have given and surrendered their lives to Jesus. Many, said the Lord. But notice, Jesus said, I don't know you. I don't know you, he says. What did Jesus mean when he said, I never knew you? Well, I'm going to explain that in a few. But what really grabbed my attention is that when Jesus was sharing this warning about judgment, about the last days, how many people would come and and claim to have believed in Jesus, but never truly have really believed and really truly have not put their faith in Him. What really grabbed me was that these people, they thought they were saved. They thought they were in there. Let me be honest with you and explain this to you. But this message I'm preaching to you this morning, it it came to me last weekend. It came to me. As I was driving back home, I was a little far from the house and I was near the Everglades. And as I got on the highway and I'm headed to my home, all of a sudden, all around me, there were acres of land being just set on fire. And there was fire all around me, and I couldn't, I can barely see. It was, there was smoke everywhere. It was such a horrific and amazing sight at the same time. And what really grabbed me when I was going through this was that I started thinking about this, and I, and I thought I was on the right road home. But I was literally on the wrong road. And all of a sudden I was consumed, around me was fire everywhere, and I thought about what a picture this is. This is exactly what it's going to look like for many people who don't know Jesus. Many people, they, they think they're on the right road, and they think they're on their way safe home. They think they're on the right path, but suddenly it's going to come to a great shock and surprise when you are thrown into hell and you're surrounded by torment and fire. This is what Jesus was saying in Matthew. These people were caught off guard and surprised. They thought they were on their way to heaven. They thought they were going to be saved and they were going to spend eternity with Jesus. And Jesus said, I don't know you. Depart from me. They were literally on the wrong path while on earth. 
And I'm wondering and I'm praying if you're on the wrong path, believing you're on the right one. If you're on the wrong road, thinking you're on the right road. And all of a sudden when you die and you're facing eternity, I pray that you don't come to this place of shock and surprise. When Jesus says, I don't know you. Many people think they're on the right road. Like I thought I was. But they're not. Notice what these people said in Matthew 7. This is why so many people are on the wrong road today. Matthew 7, 22. The Bible says that these people told Jesus. Jesus said, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and in your name? out demons, and in your name perform many miracles. See, the only thing that these people could say to Jesus was what they did. The only thing that they could tell Jesus with confidence was their works on earth. The only thing they can tell Jesus was how they perform. Notice that word. They said, they said perform. Didn't we perform? And that's what we have today. And I believe in the churches and, and everywhere. People are not truly saved. People are just performing. People think they're saved, but it's just the performance. And many people think they're on the right road because of their performance, because of what they did. And I hear it all the time as a pastor. When I talk to people who don't know Jesus, well, I know I'm going to heaven because I go to church every Sunday or because I pray and because I'm a good person or because I give money and because, you know, I do this and I do that. Just like these people, these people only were able to talk about their performance. And many people think, if I perform well enough for God, He'll let me in. But the Bible clearly tells us that no one is good, not even one. No one is righteous, not even one. So how can we with confidence approach the throne of God believing we're good? When the Bible clearly shows us We're not. There's no scale here. It's not that your good works and and everything you do right outweighs the bad. That's not how God works. So many people are on the wrong road because they think it's performance-based. How you behave on earth will determine where you spend eternity. And that is the biggest lie many people believe today. So even though you believe in Jesus, if you think that it's your works that get you into heaven, let me read to you Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. It's clear. The Bible says, it is by grace that you have been saved. Let me just first tell you what grace is. Grace is love that you don't deserve. We don't deserve forgiveness. We don't deserve heaven. We don't deserve Jesus. That's why it's called grace. Notice the Bible says, it is by grace that you've been saved. That's it. It is by grace that you've been saved through faith. Remember, through faith, not just believing, through faith and not of yourselves. 
It is a gift from God. You know, a gift is something you give to someone. You just give it to them. Jesus is offering you this gift of salvation, this gift of eternity with him. He's offering it. He doesn't, you don't work for it. You don't earn it. You don't perform your best for it. It is a gift. So Jesus says, it is by faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works. Let me say that again. It is not a result of works so that no one may boast. See, why did Jesus say in Matthew 7 to these people, the many people, depart from me because all they were able to talk about was their works. Didn't we? And didn't we do this? And didn't we do that? And didn't we pray? And didn't we do this and go to church? And we just talk about what we do. And Jesus said, it's not about works. See, salvation is not about what we did. It's about what he did. Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and for me and our sins so that whoever believes in him and believes that Jesus died and rose again will be saved. Do you understand that the only way you are born again and saved is by believing that only Jesus can forgive you of your sin and placing your faith and trust in him? But no one in Matthew 7 said any of that. They were only able to talk about what they did on their time on earth. See, I wonder now if maybe you're on the wrong road because you think it's by your performance. You think it's by your works. And you believe in Jesus, there's no doubt. But you haven't truly placed your faith in Him. Let me give you an example of this. But this came to my mind a a long time ago. It seems like a long time ago, but it was on a Sunday after church, we usually go out to lunch with some of the people from church and our family, and we're on our way to lunch, but I stayed behind in church. I don't remember why, but I had some things to do, and I told my family, I'll meet you there. And on my way to the restaurant, my mother calls me, and she just says, hey, listen, when you get to the restaurant, don't worry about paying. I already paid for you. I covered you. She paid for my lunch. It was a gift that I received. I accepted. I didn't say, I didn't say, oh no, no, don't worry. No, I said, hey, thank you. That's it. Thank you. When I got to the doors of that restaurant, there was a line of people waiting to get in. But you know that I walked right in with confidence, knowing I did not have to pay for my lunch. It was already paid for. See, the confidence came because I trusted in what my mom said. She paid for my lunch. That's what it means to put your faith in Jesus. You trust that he paid for your sins and you are trusting him. And if that restaurant owner would have said, hey, what are you doing? 
Why are you skipping everyone? I could have looked at him and said with confidence, oh, it's because my mom has paid for my lunch already. See, I wonder if you have that confidence when you're going to heaven or hell and eternity. Do you have the confidence knowing that when you die, you're on your way to heaven because Jesus paid for your sins and you have put your faith and trust in Him and nothing else or no one else but Jesus. Just like my mother covered me for lunch, Jesus has covered your sins with His blood on the cross. But people refuse to place their faith and trust in what Jesus did and they go through other outlets like religion and I've prayed and I've done good works and, I, and I, some people believe that they're on their way to heaven because their grandparents were Christian. You see, it's something that just boggles my mind why people don't simply just place their faith and trust, repent of their sins and turn to Jesus. Jesus said, to the people in Matthew 7, verse 23, that he will say plainly, I never knew you. I never knew you. That word knew is a Greek word that literally means to know something or someone by a relationship. It's it's the idea of knowing something about someone because you have a relationship with them. It's not the type of knowledge that you get from a book or education. It's not head knowledge. Many of you know people because you live with them, you're married to them, they're family. You know them because you have an experience of a relationship with them. That's what Jesus said these people did not have. Jesus said, depart from me because you and I don't have a relationship. How does someone get a relationship with Jesus Christ? It's simple by believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and he rose again believing that He is the only way to the Father. By believing and putting your faith and trust in Him, you enter into a relationship with Jesus. When you turn from your sins and repent, acknowledging that you're a sinner and knowing that that sin can be only covered by Jesus, you trust in Him to do that. You really surrender to Him. You really bring Him your sins. That's when you enter a relationship with Jesus. Don't be like this man we read about in Mark who only assumed and thought he brought his son to Jesus. Don't just assume and make this mistake and lie to yourself and say, oh, I think I've given my life to Jesus. You need to know without a doubt that you have truly surrendered your life to Jesus. So Jesus said it clearly, I never knew you. So my question to you, for anyone listening now, is do you know Jesus? Not do you know of Him. Do you have a relationship with Him? Many people claim to know Jesus, but they have no relationship. You see, many people are on the wrong road because first, they rely on their works to get them to heaven. And what a shock it will be on that day of eternity when you realize that every good work 
never covers up the sin in your life that Jesus offered to pay for. The second reason many people are on the wrong road is because many believe in the attributes of God. And let me explain this. You know that God says He's love and He is. And people rely on salvation thinking that because God is love, He's naturally going to let them in. I hear it all the time. People say, well, why would a loving God send people to hell? Why would a loving God ever do that? But the Bible said it clearly. What we read, Jesus would say plainly, that means without remorse. I don't know you. Depart from me. Well, that's not very loving. That's not very kind. And isn't God love? Of course he is. But you have to remember that God is love, but God is also just. The Bible says in Acts 17, verse 31, talking about judgment, because he has fixed a day, this is God, he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world. Notice what the Bible says, there's going to come a day that God is going to judge. What does the judge do? A judge clearly Uh, He may be a nice or she may be a nice person, but when it comes to do their job and it comes to do judging, they literally give justice or they judge. So when a judge performs something and he says, you're guilty, you can't look at that judge and say, oh, that's not fair. Or, hey, you're a bad guy. You're a bad person. That's not right. No, they're clearly justice being served. God says he's a judge. And he will judge sin. Even though God is love. Don't think that the love of God will automatically get you into heaven. God is also a just God. And if you die with your sins not being paid for by Jesus and faith in him, you will have to pay for those sins. In eternity in hell. It's that clear. This isn't me judging you. This isn't me criticizing you at all. This is said out of love. Place your faith in Jesus Christ. Trust Him to cover your sins. It shocks me how many people think that they're on their way to heaven because of the the basis of God's love. But they forget the justice. Let me give you this analogy, this explanation to see if you can really see it. But could you imagine if our president right now is back home in in West Palm Beach in Mar-a-Lago and he's just enjoying a relaxing weekend and all of a sudden, you know, I just happen to just walk into that very place, his very home. And I walk in right into the doors and, and I go up to him and I'm like, hey, Mr. President, hey, it's me. And all of a sudden, President Trump just looks at me, confused. He doesn't know who I am. And then calls Secret Service over to have me removed and imprisoned. Could you imagine he throws me out and all of a sudden while I'm in jail, I call you. I had my one phone call, right? So I call you from prison and I complain and I said, can you believe the nerve 
of our president arresting me and kicking me out? And you're going to say, yeah, I believe that. He did right. David, you don't know him like that. I don't have a relationship with the president that I can just walk into his home like his wife Melania can or her sons or daughters can. Even though I know a lot about him, even though I believe he's the president, even though I can tell you he was born in New York, I can tell you that his, his family is originally from Ireland, I can tell you his net worth, I can tell you everything about him, but that doesn't mean I have a relationship with him. See, maybe you know Jesus that way. Maybe you know a lot about him. Maybe you read the Bible, you go to church, you know that he lived, you know that he was 30 years old when he started the ministry, you know that he died at 33, but you don't really have a relationship relationship with him you believe in him but you haven't placed your faith and trust in him you see if jesus now says to you depart from me like donald trump would say to me get out of here he would judge right like david said in the psalms when he sinned against god he said against you O lord have i sinned and you judge right against me so see many people are on the wrong road because they believe in their works they believe in the love of God but they haven't truly placed their faith and trust in Jesus so as we close with this my prayer today is not simply asking, do you believe? Because the Bible says even the devil and his demons believe in Jesus. And guess where they're going in the end? Eternity in hell. So I'm not asking you, do, do you just believe in Jesus? I'm asking you with what you believe about him. Have you placed your faith and trust in Him, recognizing that you're a sinner, knowing that those sins can be forgiven and paid for and covered by what Jesus did on the cross. It's not by works that you're saved, but by grace, remember the Bible says. And the Lord has extended your grace to you today to truly receive Him as your Lord and Savior. Jesus is the way and I love what John 14 6 says it says it's so clear notice what Jesus said Jesus said to him I am the way I'm the way the way to what notice I'm the way I'm the truth see he's not deceiving you he's not lying to you when he says I'm the way I'm the truth I'm the life. No one, no one comes to the Father but through me. You cannot get to God the Father in heaven through any other means but Jesus. 
So it's not through your relatives, it's not through your works, it's not through another person, it's not through yourself, it's not through just the love of God. You cannot get through but by Jesus. Only Jesus died and rose. Only Jesus had the authority to forgive sin. Only Jesus offers the way to eternity to heaven with God the Father. No one else. So if you believe, that's great. The man we read about believed. But why is it that he clearly, honestly said to Jesus, but I haven't put my faith in you. Maybe that's you this morning. See, as I began telling you that this sermon was an inspiration by what I went through when the wildfires were around me, driving home. I wish I could tell you it came without warning. Let me be honest with you about another half of the story I left out. That fire I was surrounded by on the way home, on the wrong road, it did not come without warning. It came with many warnings. I heard it on the radio a few days before. I read it in the paper when I was at the store. I saw it in the cover. I even saw it in the news. I just chose to take my chances. I chose to ignore the warning. You know, Jesus, he warned people a lot about eternity. He warned people a lot about hell. And so many are just choosing to ignore it, distracted by this temporary life that means nothing in the comparison of eternity. But you just choose to ignore it. Or maybe just, I'll just take my chances and hope to get in there. See, there is no hoping you need to know without a doubt, have assurance with confidence that you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus, asking Him to forgive you of your sins, turning to Him, knowing He covered it on the cross. See, when I read this passage in Mark chapter 9, many things stood out to me. But there were two things that really just brought fear and conviction and and I had to tell you before we close this message. And it's found in verse 19 of this passage. It's two questions that Jesus asked. And I believe it's the same question that the Lord is asking you today. Answering them, he said, Jesus said, Oh, unbelieving generation. I I love it because first, he called them unbelievers. But this man just finished telling him, I believe. But see, if you believe in Jesus but have not truly placed your faith and trust in Him and surrendered your life to Him, He will call you an unbeliever. Because when you truly believe in Jesus, knowing what He did, you put your faith on what He did on that cross. You surrender your life to Him. But Jesus said, O unbelieving generation, 
How long shall I be with you? How long should I put up with you? Notice these two questions that really just began to speak to my heart. Those are two questions that involve eternity. When Jesus said, how long? He's giving a timeline. He's saying, listen, how long would I be with you? He's literally telling the crowd, you're not going to have me forever. You're not going to have this opportunity. How long are you going to excuse it? How long are you going to ignore it? How long are you just going to forget about what Jesus said? How long will you continue in your lifestyle? How long will you continue to just live without Jesus? How long? Because time is short. And you won't have him forever you don't know the day of your death you don't know the hour the bible says so the lord is asking you today how long am i going to be with you how many opportunities am i going to give you how many chances how many people am i going to send your way to preach to you the truth and how long will you just ignore it he said not only how long But he said, how long would I put up with you? Which means, not only is there a timeline, but the fact that Jesus said, how long would I put up with you? Teaches us that there is a time that Jesus will no longer put up with you. No longer put up with your sins no longer put up with your rejection of Him. He won't put up with it. I believe that day is the day you die and are faced with eternity and judgment. Jesus said to the people plainly, remember, I don't know you. He no longer put up with them. So this is what I'm speaking to you this morning, church. You may believe in Jesus, but have you truly come to repentance? Have you truly placed your faith in Him? If that's you this morning, you're saying, well, Pastor, I don't know. Well, you need to know. You need to have the confidence knowing that Jesus paid for my sins and I have placed my trust in Him. It's not about works. It's not just about love of God and how much He loves you. He's just going to let you in. It is about grace, what Jesus did on the cross. And today, He's giving you that opportunity. But He will tell you right now, how long? Right now is the day. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. So if you're here this morning, and you're not sure, I want to tell you right now, Bible says that the Lord has no desire that man should perish. It doesn't matter who you are, what or how you've lived. God loves you. God so loved the world, the Bible says, He gave His only Son to die on the cross for you. If you believe in Jesus, that's great. But what will you do with what you believe about Him? Today, will you place your faith and trust, saying, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Lord, I know you're the only way 
my sins can be forgiven. You're the only way I can get to heaven. And because of that, I'm placing my trust in you. Forgive me of my sins as I turn and truly bring you my life. This man thought he brought Jesus his son, but Jesus clearly showed him, I want you to really bring him to me this time. So today, that opportunity is for you. Will you surrender your life to Jesus? Trust in him to forgive you of your sins. Pray with me. This is you. Father, I want to thank you for what you did on the cross. I want to thank you, Lord, for dying on the cross for our sins. It was a free gift of salvation you were offering, Lord. That gift is an offering right now to anyone listening online. Father, before I lead this prayer, I pray that you would open up the eyes and the heart of the people that love you, but aren't sure if they've truly placed their faith in you. Let today be the day with confidence they surrender their life to you, Jesus. That's you this morning. Pray this with me. In your heart, just say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. And I pray today that you would forgive me of all my sins, past, present, and future. I believe that you are the only way to the Father in heaven. And today, I truly surrender my life to you. Father, save me in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you truly prayed that prayer with a sincere heart, I want to welcome you to the family of God. You are now a born-again believer. If you prayed that, I'd like to get to know you. You can call our office from 9 to 5, Monday through Friday. You can visit our website, and you can really just check out our church. If you're giving financially as well, go online. And I thank you for joining me this morning in this word. And my heart just, I just want to tell you this before we finish. If you listen to this sermon and you know without a doubt you're saved, that's great. But I want you to pass this message on to people that need to hear it. Tell your family, tell your friends. Tell anyone you think may not have a real, sincere relationship with Jesus. God bless you. I love you. And I look forward to speaking to you again next week. Have a great week.